Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. You know, Hollywood loves a good fight, and uh, I think most of us do too. Now, not necessarily all in the same way, but I think there is something compelling about a good fight, right? Go, go back to Hollywood. Some of my favorites, maybe these are some of yours, Rocky, right? This is the original. Really, this is the movie that sort of turned this genre, created a whole genre. You got Sylvester Stallone kind of down on his luck trying to make it into Hollywood, and he becomes a mega star because he creates the character Rocky Balboa. Um, maybe another favorite that involves a fight the Karate Kid, right? You can't forget Daniel-san and Mr. Miyagi and the Crane Kick and Johnny Lawrence. And then more recently, a great fight, right? An epic fight. Avengers Endgame, the Avengers taking down Thanos, Captain America worthy of wielding the hammer of Thor, right? I mean, these are, these are some great fights. And in these cases, the fight scenes are memorable, right? They're, they're memorable, but, but the thing that makes the story stick I'm going to venture to guess, even if you're like, hey, I'm not so much a fight person, but you might have enjoyed some of those, those movies. You might enjoy other movies like them. Because the thing that, that really stands out is not necessarily the fight scenes. Honestly, I get a little worn out these days by the superhero fight scenes. Like, I love superhero movies, but it gets to a point where I'm like, I'm just calculating. You know how much all of that would cost to repair? You know, like, it just, it just starts to wear me down. So, but, but the thing that is memorable, the thing that makes those stories stick is really the transformation of the fighters. It's really about what's at stake in their fight. That's the thing that's compelling. We're gripped by what's going on here, what could be accomplished, what's going to happen to those people. So you got Rocky Balboa and and Daniel-san, those are unlikely heroes. You got the Avengers who are this unlikely team, but they all overcome incredible odds and they deliver and instill hope. Those are the things that really start to resonate with us. And so I think when we we think of fighting, in its best sense, we come to equate fighting with a noble pursuit, a noble pursuit of a, a different kind of character and a reversal of difficult circumstances, right? That's what really gets us going is this thought that, man, Difficulty can be overcome. The character can be changed. And all these ideas, these, these best ideas that really grab us from Hollywood and in these kinds of stories, really all of these ideas and much more find their footing in the Bible, in the original great story, because it's true. It's the story of all of us. And so when a, cha- a sage church starter needed to encourage his protege in a very difficult situation, his go-to image, the way he went about trying to describe especially what this life was all about, his go-to image was of a fight, of what we would call, what he calls a good fight. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next 12 weeks, this series, The Good Fight. We're going to turn to the book of 1 Timothy. Okay, 1 Timothy is a letter. We'll look at that. I want to invite you. We're going to really kind of look over the entire letter today. So you can go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, pull that up on your phone or open your Bible. Or if you need a Bible, the one in front of you is our gift to you if you would like it. But you can use that for today if, if you would like. 1 Timothy 1, 
And before we really jump in, again, we'll look at a lot of different parts of this, a few key passages that will anchor our, our learning today. But I want to give you a little back, background, some of the basics of 1 Timothy, the first of what is known as the pastoral letters. And this first letter, again, is written by the Apostle Paul. It's written to his protege, Timothy. And it's likely that it was written while he was in Macedonia in the year A.D. 62 or 63. We don't know exactly, but we can pinpoint it pretty well. A.D. 62 or 63. A little background, if you don't know, or just as a way of reminder, Paul was an opponent of the faith. He was combative against those who followed Jesus in its first iteration. And then he met Jesus. And he became not only a Christian, but a church starter, the greatest missionary the world has ever known. God used him to write a good portion of what we know as the New Testament. It's this incredible reversal worthy of its own movie. But this, this man, Paul, he meets a young man named Timothy in Lystra, city of Lystra. And Timothy comes from kind of a a different background. He's got a a Jewish on his mom's side, probably Greek on his dad's side. But Paul meets him and and is probably very prominent in Timothy coming to faith. Um, He meets him on his second missionary journey. It's about 12 years before he writes this letter. So they've known each other for a while. And in that time, Paul, again, has played a key role in Timothy becoming a Christian, but he, he's, he's also now enlisted him in the work. Hey, Timothy has showed promise in, in the work that Paul is doing, and so he's become his right-hand man. He is, in some way, Paul is Mickey to Timothy's Rocky. Paul is, is Timothy's Mr. Miyagi, right? To, to that, he's Mr. Miyagi to Timothy's Daniel-san. He's become prominent in his life. He's, he's his mentor. And so Timothy is chosen, was chosen to join Paul, and he's now extending Paul's life work. Specifically, this letter is written because Timothy's been tasked by Paul to help bring order into and build up the church at Ephesus. You have a whole book written. Paul writes a whole letter to the Ephesian church at one point. But there's problems brewing. And so Paul, he's been, been held back. He can't go himself. He sends Timothy to help out with the situation. Ephesus is this wealthy and highly influ- influential port city. It's in the Roman province of Asia. And Paul's addressing this because problems there would likely become problems everywhere. And so the false teachers who have infiltrated need to be addressed. They've become a part of things. They've created a lot of disruption, a lot of problems And they need to be addressed. And so, again, Paul has sent his right-hand man, Timothy. And there are two key passages that really summarize what this whole letter is all about. Okay, I want you to to see these. We're going to be, first, 1 Timothy 3.15. Paul very explicitly states, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Paul says, I have specifically written because I want you to know how your faith, how your trust in Jesus is supposed to not just impact your individual lives, but what it means for you as a people, how you are to conduct yourselves as God's people, as the household of God, as the local church. And he goes on at the end, 1 Timothy 6, 12, he tells Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence 
of many witnesses. He says, Timothy, I want you to fight. And I want you to understand that when you became a Christian, when you trusted Jesus, when you believed, just as we sang, that, that it was finished upon that cross, that Jesus had accomplished salvation and made it available to all humans, that Timothy, that was the beginning of something wonderful. Take hold of that now. But taking hold of that now means a fight. And so here's my summary of 1 Timothy that I want to just guide us as we make our way through this over the next 12 weeks. What I want us to understand is that for Christ followers, okay, if you are a Christian, if you have trusted Jesus for salvation, for Christ followers, fighting is the family business. Okay? This is our family business. But fighting is the family business for now. It's just the family business for now. Let me tell you what I mean. First off, fighting, right? What, what, is, what are we talking about here? Well, we'll see it more. We're going to talk about what it means to be a good fight. But that's what he says. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Right? Fight the good fight. There's something good in what we're doing here. That's specifically what we'll address. Why is it good? But then know this. It's the family business. Paul is addressing Timothy it's a very personal letter, but he has in mind, what does he say? The household of God. What he has in mind is if you're a part of not just the big C church, all Christians everywhere through all time, but that you would naturally then be a part of a local church. And as the household of God, there's ways in which we're supposed to do things, ways we're supposed to be operating. He says this is the family business to be about a certain kind of fighting. Now, at this point, you've bared with me when it comes to the Rocky and Karate Kid reference, right? Some of you that you're like, yeah, and others of you are like, okay, here he goes again, another movie, I get it, okay? Or just the fighting thing. You're like, I don't know, come on, I'm not really, that's not my thing, and I get that. Here's the deal. You may be averse to fighting, and, and I'm going to sound maybe a little bit like your, your, your parents at some point, right? Maybe they said when you were growing up, or they've saying right now, right, don't go looking for a fight. But here's the thing. The reality is sometimes the fight comes and finds you. So, sometimes you, you just, you do everything you can. You do all the right things, but the fight finds you. And I wanted you to understand, if you were a Christ follower, whether you acknowledged it or not at the very beginning, like when, when this was all going down, when you were, you knew, hey, I need Jesus. I need him to save me from my sin. I want God to be the boss, the king. I, I, I know this. You may not have realized, wait, wait, I signed up for what? Like, I'm, I'm part of this family, and now that means I'm in, I'm in what business? Like, you may not have realized what you were enlisted to. But if you were a Christ follower, the fight has found you. You just, you just got to come to grips with that. Again, I'm not advocating, go find a fight. Go be combative. In fact, we'll see as we go through 1 Timothy, that's not the way God's people are to be. And so those who are leaders among us need to make sure that they're not combative. But... When the fight comes, when it finds you, you've got to be ready. It's become really popular these days, the, the term mama bear, right? You guys, I mean, that's like, I see t-shirts. We, we talk a lot about mama bears these days. I, I don't know why. Last summer, we did a whole uh, Bible study or, you know, group study for parents on mama bear apologetics. And, and it's become this really important image in our culture. There's this kind of this idea, like, and, and I think that the image is, right, I'm not looking for a fight, but when it comes... I'll be ready, right? And so it's this sort of, you know, it's way for the women especially to go, look, 
I'm not, like, don't mess with me either. You know, like, I'm, I'm not looking to, to be in a fight, but I'll be ready. This summer, my wife and I got to go to the Great Smoky Mountains, and, and we, we were in the park, and as we made our way around, we got to see a ton of bears. And there was one point where we came across a family. It was a mama bear and her cubs. It was really interesting because the bears really, like, we, as we saw them, you, you keep a distance, but they really don't want anything to do with you. Like, they're not threatening. They don't, they don't want to be a part of what you're doing. They got their own things to do. You're really interrupting them. So they're, they're not really engaged in, in looking at you or whatever. But it was, it was interesting because as we made our way around, you know, we, we could see that. And, and there was this one scene where, again, mama bear, little cubs. Cubs are climbing trees. It's cute, right? I mean, it's adorable. And, but there's a park ranger. And the park ranger is just making sure because we're all passing through on the little trail. And the ranger's there to make sure, hey, like, you can watch, but you need to stay back here. And the ranger's job was to make sure we kept our safe distance. Why? Because the mama doesn't care about us. She's not really interested in us. But if you were to be foolish enough to think, I'm going to get a selfie with the little baby bear, like holding my shoulder or something, you know, the mama's not going to like that. And, and so that park ranger wants to protect you. Mama's not looking for a fight. But if you bring the fight, if you bring some kind of threat to mama, mama's going to have a word. And so... Have in mind, that's what we're talking about. We're not going looking for a fight, but we need to be prepared when we find ourselves in the midst of the battle. And then also note that this is a fight for now. We'll talk more about that, but this is a good fight of the faith. As we spend these next weeks diving into this very personal letter, we have to remember that someday our faith will become sight. This is not... The always business. The fight is temporary, and it's a means to a much greater end. So with this in mind, what I want to do today is span the entire letter with the passages that we're looking at really anchored around this language of family. I want you to hear them. First Timothy 1, the very beginning, Paul writes, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy... My true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and, the, and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, skip down verse 18. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies previously made about you, so that by recalling them you may fight the good fight, having faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered to Satan, so that they may be taught not to blaspheme. And then skip to the very end, verse six, or chapter 6. Chapter 6, he says, verse 20, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent and empty speech and contradictions from what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some people have departed from the faith. Grace be with you all. Now, the thing that all of these have in common, three times in this letter, Paul uses, Paul refers to Timothy by name. Again, it's a very personal letter. He's writing to him, he says, Timothy. In two of those, he calls him his son. Now, he's not actually, you know, biologically his father, but he has this deep affection for Timothy. He's played a huge role in Timothy being made alive in Christ. 
And what he is counting on, Paul is counting on Jesus using Timothy to combat an opponent that is far more threatening than Clubber Lang or Ivan Drago or Johnny Lawrence or John Kreese. Okay, this is really a big deal. And so these passages show us why this isn't just any fight, but a good one. That's what I want us to see today is why is this a good fight? So first thing, our fight is good, one, and most importantly, because it is God's fight. It is God's fight. Timothy, Paul writes at the very beginning, and he's laying out by what authority he's going to address Timothy and address the church. And it's not his own. And his authority is derived. It comes from somewhere else. And so he says, I'm an apostle by the command of God and of Christ Jesus. In other words, God is the commanding officer. I'm doing what he says. I'm not doing this on my own initiative. I'm doing what God has said. And then in verse 18, he says, Timothy, I'm giving you this instruction. He's saying, Timothy, now I'm giving you orders, but they're not orders, again, that start with me. They've come from the top. I'm an apostle by the command of God. I'm giving you instruction because it's God's instruction. It's not me just wanting to, for you to help perpetuate my little kingdom here. This is about God. He's the king. And so the orders to Timothy and the orders to us are orders from God himself, the king of the universe. God is, as Paul says, savior. He's our hope. He's the father. He's our Lord. And, And so this is about this cosmic conflict. It's not just about a beef that Paul has with somebody. This is, this is dealing with a cosmic conflict that's going on. And so we fight because we are part of God's family, and the fight has come to him. And that fight originates in human rebellion. We rebel. Our first ancestors, Adam and Eve, rebel against God, and the fight gets going. And it's raged ever since. And so the fight has come to God, and he's dealing with it. Which means that we need to understand Paul is not just a mercenary. You and I, Timothy, is not just a mercenary. You and I are not just mercenaries. We're not just doing whatever we see fit for the highest bidder. That's not what this fight is about. This is God's fight. But know this, we're all in the conflict. Everyone is on the battlefield. You say, I'm not so sure that I believe what you're saying. Fine, just know this, you're in the middle of the conflict. That's, that's what you may disagree But that would be the the understanding, is that we're all in this conflict. And what happens is, as humans, we all find ourselves taken captive to do the bidding of the enemy, Satan. That's who Paul refers to. That there is, again, this larger cosmic conflict. And that's where we all find ourselves until we're rescued by Jesus. In which case, then we're, we're brought into the family of God, adopted into his family. But the conflict rages on. We need to understand we're all accountable to God. He is the righteous one. He is the standard of right and wrong. And so the the message that God wants us to, to first understand is, look, you go your own way and destruction comes. There's, there's something good coming as, as we engage with the things of God, but, but you go your own way. And that's where destruction is found. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. 
And so I, I would just, at this point, as we think about this is God's fight. This is God dealing with the conflict that we have created through our human rebellion. I ask you, who is the authority in your life? Where do you get your orders? Who is it that you're living for? Who is it you would say, you know what, at the end of the day, push comes to shove, this is, the per- this is where, how I'm going to decide how I live my life. Most of us, we're just kind of making it up. We're, you know, we're, we're watching some movies, and we get inspired here, and we listen to some news, and we, we get a few ideas here, and we have family and friends, and, and we're doing the best we can. That's, I mean, it's not a, a huge knock. It's, you're just trying to piece together, how am I going to make my way? And, and, you know, for a lot of us, we do pretty good until we don't. And we begin to think about, wait, okay, is this going to really hold up? Furthermore, if God has created me, then what does he think about my life? Who is the authority? It's a question we need to wrestle with. Now, it would be enough to call this fight good because it comes from the command of God. But there's more. See, our fight is good also because it is a faith fight. It's God's fight, but it is a faith fight. Paul writes to Timothy, he calls him my true son in the faith. Verse 2. In verse 19, he talks about, he's telling Timothy, fight the good fight, having faith and a good conscience. And then he talks about Hymenaeus and Alexander who have shipwrecked their faith. And, and then in the very end, he talks about those who will depart from the faith. This fight is about the faith. He's talking about Christianity as a whole. We call it Christianity. He's calling it the faith, the belief that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God himself, that he has come, taken our sin upon himself, lived the life we should have lived but didn't, died an unjust death, I mean a death that's only just because we deserve it, but took that injustice upon himself and then defeated death, is resurrected. And so when we talk about the finished work, we sing about it being finished. We're saying it's as good as done. The day will come when all of this will be made right. That's the faith. Christianity is not just a, an idea, one, one thing to adopt over another. We're talking about a whole way of looking at and living in the world. That's what we mean. It may not have been how you, it was explained to you. For the longest time, that's not how I understood it. But that's what we mean. We mean an entire life outlook. It means it it changes how I think about my relationships. It changes how I think about my work. It changes how I think about my recreation. How I think about how I eat and drink. It changes everything. That's what it's intended to do. It's the faith. It's trust in Jesus. It's following not just an idea, not just a set of doctrines, but it's relating to the God of the universe. It's a faith fight then. We're we're not merely talking about, when we talk about the conflict here, it's not merely an exchanging of opinions. I, I figured years ago that I could tolerate radio, like talk radio, I like talk radio, if it was sports, but I could not tolerate like news talk radio, okay? Now here's the thing, I'm not judging anybody if you're a news talk person, but here's what I discovered, okay? Sports talk and news talk, they've both kind of turned into this thing over the last probably 15 years where it's just really combative, right? Okay, it's just like we're just 
crossfire talking over. And so we got things like the undisputed, right? We got Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless going out. I know they're now at different shows. I know that. But, but nonetheless, it's like we've got a conflict here. We're going to sit here and argue and go back and forth and do that. And, and, but, but news talk is no different. It's, it's we're going to, you know, cre- we create conflict. We bring the talking heads so that they can yell across each other. And what I realized is, I'm not, it's not necessarily my favorite thing regardless, but I could tolerate it when it came to sports because it didn't matter, right? Like, it doesn't matter. I could listen to people jaw back and forth because I know at the end of the day, if you think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl and you think the Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl, none of you really have a clue. It doesn't matter, right? I can't, I'm a fan, you're a fan, fine, but it doesn't matter. But when people are sitting there just yelling at each other about things that really do matter, that's hard. I, I, like, I don't want that. Like, that to me, it's like I am stressed out. I don't need that, right? Not because I don't need to be informed, but because it matters so much, there's a certain way that I, want, that I need to engage with that. It needs to be different. It just wasn't helpful. What I want you to see, th- this fight, we're not just talking about you know, arguing for arguing's sake. We're not just talking about one opinion versus another opinion. And we can have different opinions, no doubt. People do that. But the point here is not that we just, again, get combative. These things really matter. So it needs to be a better kind of discussion. It needs to be a better kind of engagement with these ideas. We're told also Ephesians 6.12. We looked at this a year ago in more depth. But our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So know this, it is a a cosmic conflict, but very often what we hear is, oh yeah, it's a spiritual thing, which is a code word for irrelevant. It's spiritual, which means, you know, it's it's kind of that spirity thing that you do, but it doesn't really matter. It It doesn't actually affect my life. It doesn't affect what happens on the day to day. I can do it however I want. Like, there, there's what philosophers have come to call the excluded middle, right? There's this spiritual stuff, and then there's the physical stuff, but they don't touch. They don't deal with each other. They don't impact one another. That's not the view of the Bible. The view of the Bible is, no, these things are just part and parcel. They're all wrapped up in one another. Spiritual things impact physical things. Our, impact, our physical things have a spiritual impact. We need to understand that there is very real evil that plays out in a very real world. And so the good things that we do have a very real impact. So I ask you, have you embraced the faith? Who's your authority? But have you embraced then that that, that authority, that, that the God of the universe is the one who has reached out to you, not when you were looking, but knew your need for him? And stopped at nothing to make sure that you could be brought back into the household of God. That wants to transform your everyday life, everything that you think about and do. It's a tall ask. I mean, he calls. It's, it's, you don't just do it lightly. But what we find is when we, we submit ourselves to him, we find real life. That's what's being offered. It's a fight of faith. Now, I want to say this before we look at the third thing. As we make our way through 1 Timothy, we're going to address some really challenging topics in this series. Some things you may look at and go, whoa, I, uh, 
Do we have to talk about that? And I want to encourage you, lean in. Lean into the questions. Get questions answered. Wrestle with what does the Bible really say? Ask me. Hey, Christian, you said that. Is that read it for yourself. That's what we always want to be doing. I am not infallible. I don't stand here as the man who was on the mountain and has come down and given you. Uh, no. Okay. But I believe this is true. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. And therefore, this makes all the difference. And I don't get to just abide by it by my own whims. We submit to it. It doesn't submit to us. Jesus is the authority. So we want to live by his commands. Now, just like any other fight, ours is good because of its outcome. Okay, third thing here, our fight is good because it is a fight that produces peace. It's a fight that produces peace. Paul usually, when he writes a letter, he starts it with some kind of greeting. And it usually sounds something like what we find here in 1 Timothy 1-2. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And he usually ends with something like what we find here in 1 Timothy 6. He says, grace be with you all. These aren't empty words for Paul. Paul's talking about grace through and through because he wants us to understand what you have, this life, the faith, it's a gift. It's something God has done that you receive. But then that mercy that you've received, the peace that it will bring, he intends that what you're going to hear from him will actually be a part of, him, of you knowing the reality of that grace and that mercy and that peace. That your life will actually be richer because of what he's about to teach. That, that's his expectation as he writes these letters to churches and to, to these individuals like Timothy and Titus. Is that your life is different. Our lives are different. The important thing to know here, again, we said at the beginning, we fight for now, but not forever. Because peace is coming. And that's the message. That's what we find with, with the cross is that peace really is possible. And then it's been promised. You know, some conflict just begets more conflict. They say, you know, it, it's just generating more heat than light. But there are some conflicts that actually do produce light. They actually do bring about something good. And in this case... We have a conflict that does get resolved. And so we're told in Colossians 1, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, talking about Jesus, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There's this crazy upside down thing where Jesus goes to the cross. You've got this incredibly violent, horrific act and yet it produces the greatest good that has ever been known. Comple completely flips the script. This is the nature of how peace is won in this conflict. I want you to see a picture of a man I just recently learned about. His name's Chuck Bodak. And in, in addition to having a really nice goatee and putting stickers on his bare he head, which he was known for doing, he was the cut man to over 50 prize-fighting boxers, guys like Muhammad Ali, Oscar De La Hoya. And what is a cut man? Some of you know, others maybe not, and that's okay. 
But a cut man is the guy in the corner when the boxer, you know, in between the, the um, rounds, the boxer comes, he's sitting down, and he's, he's being beat up and bruised, and the cut man comes in, and his job is to get that guy back in shape. He's not a doctor, so he's doing kind of advanced first aid, but it's violent. If you've ever seen a cut man doing his stuff, it's violent. I mean, he's got like, you know, you got the boxer, he's got this giant welt on his face, and the cut man's just like pushing on it, and he's putting this big icy brick thing on that thing and squeezing it down, and I mean, it's this violent act. You're like, wait, he's already hurt. What are you doing? But it's this violent act that brings about healing, and in a much, much greater way. This is what we find at the cross. That finished work. We look and we go, wow, what are you doing? It's awful. It's horrific. Yeah, but it's the means by which peace truly can come. And so if you say, I have submitted to the authority of God, and I have embraced the faith. In fact, the, the faith, Jesus has embraced me. I know that I've received new life. I'm a part of the household of God what does this mean for us right now? It means that we practice and pursue peace now. We live in the reality of what we know is to come. We're able to look ahead and go, it's not all here yet. It's not already here. It's not yet here. But I already know that this is what's true and real. So I want to encourage you. We talk about this grand thing of I'm in the fight, what do I need to do? What you need to do, what it starts with, very simply. And we'll look at, again, a lot of the specifics. Of how do we contend? But a lot of the specifics, it starts with, will you be a peacemaker? Will you try to live out the peace that you have received, the peace that has been promised? Sometimes the best way we contend, we fight, is that we don't let the fight go on. We step in and go, you know what? I was a jerk to you. Will you forgive me? Hey, you know what? I, I've just, I've been bitter. I've been like, and, and you know it. I mean, I'm, I'm not giving you a problem, but you know it. I know it. Like, I've been treating you poorly. Will you forgive me? Or somebody's already come to you and they've said, hey, I'm trying to get this right. And you're just like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just, I know. I don't want to do it. I like the feeling of being right and you being wrong and I'm going to just continue on. But you go, wait, no, that's, peace has been won. So I'll begin to live out peace right now. Again, over the next 12 weeks, we're going to learn, we're going to train in this family business. Learn what it is to be the household of God. This is going to be really important, I believe, a really important season in the life of our church. What does it mean for us to, to, to really contend together now, unfortunately, if, if you're going to jump in and be a part of these next 12 weeks, there most likely won't be a rousing training montage music thing following you around, okay? I, I wish I could do that for you. That's probably not going to happen. You're welcome to, I mean, we can share the Rocky music on, you know, your, your device or whatever, and you can just have that playing as you go about your day. I'm good with that. I'll encourage you in that. But most likely, that's not what this is going to look like. Nonetheless... I do want to invite you to embrace this, this training camp of sorts that we're in. I want to invite you, read 1 Timothy for yourself. Maybe every week. Probably you could listen to it 15 minutes on, your, on a drive. Sit down, read it yourself. But become familiar 
Get into this. Dig into this. What is God saying to us as a church? And then I want to encourage you, be a part of a group. Our groups are launching here next, next week, just eight days away. Be a part of a group. You can see that in your program, what's happening. I do want to make one mention uh, as we do that. One of the groups, the Rice's group on Tuesday night, has filled. We chose not to just mark a big X over their faces. Okay, we didn't want to do that. But, but their group has filled up, which we're excited to celebrate. That's great. Okay, but, but check out being in a group because what's going to happen is we're going to talk on Sundays. We're going to learn. And then we're going to go into our groups and we're going to ask more and more. Okay, what does this look like for us? How do we live this out? Let's dig into this. Hey, I have questions. Well, let's talk about those. So I encourage you, jump in, engage. Let's learn to fight together. Let's pray. Father, do indeed thank you that you have made a way for peace. We live now in the midst of a certain kind of conflict, but we live with hope. And so help us, God, to learn to operate as your people. Help us to learn what it means to fight the good fight. And Lord, I pray for those who are maybe wrestling with who their authority is and what it means to embrace the faith. God, I, I'm grateful for that kind of wrestling. I'm grateful for the season of my own life where I had to wrestle with that. I'm thankful that you saw fit to put me around some people who, and, and in church where I could sort that out. I pray that this would be the kind of, that kind of place for them. And that, Lord, in your good timing, they would come to know and, and trust you. God, help us collectively, individually, to honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day. Thank you.